Welcome to the Hospital Finance Podcast, your go-to source for information and insights that can help you stay ahead of the challenges impacting healthcare finance. And now, the host of the Hospital Finance Podcast, Michael Passanate. Hi, this is Mike Passanate, and welcome back to the Hospital Finance Podcast. Maintaining healthy revenue and operating margins at hospitals has become increasingly challenging. As a result, many health systems have developed new sources of revenue to supplement their traditional service lines. A new study from Partners Healthcare and Fitzroy Health, a healthcare private equity firm, evaluated the financial impact of 1,400 non-traditional revenue initiatives at health systems across the country. To explain the results of this new research, I'm joined by James Stanford, Managing Director at Fitzroy Health. James has worked across the healthcare sector to launch new businesses, accelerate growth, and transform performance of existing assets. Prior to joining Fitzroy, James was a strategy and marketing consultant in the healthcare practice at McKinsey & Company. James, welcome to the program. Thanks, Michael. Really glad to be here. James, for those who may not be familiar with Fitzroy Health, please tell us about who you are and what you do. Sure. Uh, Fitzroy Health, uh, we're a company that builds new companies in partnership with health systems. And so uh, we focus on tech-enabled services that we believe uh, by spinning out of a health system, bringing capital management strategy, market access, that we can turn uh, into national facing companies that solve operating problems for the health systems we partner with, create profits for those health systems um, through dividends, and then also generate enterprise value through their equity stakes in those companies. So James, I mentioned in the opening uh, intro, uh, this particular study that you conducted looked at alternative revenue streams for hospitals. Why did you decide to undertake that as a, as a study topic? Well, the problem that we were addressing is that operating margins uh, from patient care and hospitals um, have really struggled. In fact, uh, 2018 hit 10-year lows, according to Moody's. Um, and, you know, at the same time, margins within these hospitals are primarily generated by non-operating in, uh, revenue. So investment returns, real estate investments, um, we believe that there are other ways that health systems can generate new revenues, diversify uh, those revenues they rely on while still serving their patients and, and staying open. Um, and so, you know, there's been a remarkable amount of innovation and in trying to address that problem. Um, it's happening across the country and, you know, partners in particular was noticing just its peers um, really experimenting in some fascinating ways with new initiatives and um, gave us an opportunity to um, really survey that market, understand what's happening, and then um, you know, glean lessons that the rest of the field can learn from. Before we jump into your study findings, can you just briefly explain for us uh, the parameters and methodology for the study? Yeah, we, um, we conducted comprehensive interviews uh, with leaders across uh, more than 74 different 
health systems or academic medical centers. Um, the leaders included board members, um, C-suite executives, um, venture investors within hospitals, um, innovation uh, executives, et cetera. Um, and um, we also pulled from Fitzroy's database of hospital-backed initiatives and investments that we've been tracking since 2014. Excellent. So let's let's dive into what you found uh, as a result of this research. Um, you were able to classify revenue optimization strategies into three levers. Uh, the first being bringing care model innovations to market. Why don't you tell us about that? Sure. So this is a, a lever that we think just about anyone of any you know reasonable size. Um, and uh, and scale can can pursue because they're in the business of innovating their own operating models right now, and the things that they do to um, move into that future landscape represent commercialization opportunities that they may be able to uh, to generate new value from, and so you know we're talking about everything from. Um, monetizing data that they've generated to um, the tech-enabled services that they're building um, to being able to take on value-based care and um, and share with the rest of the market uh, the new technologies and services that they've created to make that happen. Um, and really there are you know four different ways that people make money off of those things. First is consulting, and I'd say that's one of the first things everyone looks to do um, is to create a consulting firm based on the knowledge that they've developed. Next on the kind of level of complexity would be licensing uh, intellectual property that they have developed. Third is taking it the next step and co-developing new solutions that can turn into companies that, that face externally. And then the fourth is actually spinning out uh, an asset or a capability that can uh, could be the basis around which a new co is formed. Okay, the second lever that you identified in the report is transforming cost centers into profit centers. Tell us about that. Sure. So um, health systems represent you know very large ecosystems. And just due to the idiosyncrasies of the market, have um, insisted really over the last 20 years to own as much of po as possible of the value chain. Now that dynamic is changing as it becomes harder and harder to um, manage um, uh, all of those services with equal amounts of efficiency and skill, and so. There are um, a num number of health systems that are um, looking to, to spin those out and get more scale. And so uh, when we say transforming a cost center into a profit center, we're talking about taking an internal commercial grade service to other customers. Um, and so they can essentially become a source of new non-traditional income they haven't seen before for the health system. Um, examples include you know, wholly owned subsidiaries, like Northwell Health in, in New York, their laboratory management services company. Um, 
It could be a spin-out of a for-profit company like UPMC's done with Prodigo, which is a supply chain management business. Um, it could be an acquisition or a co-development like Cincinnati's Mercy Health did with Ensemble Health Partners, the RCM company. James, the third lever that you identified was generating royalties from drugs, devices, and diagnostics. What are health systems doing in that space? So this is really um, focused more on the largest uh, research institutions. Um, and they, for a long time, of course, have had sophisticated tech transfer departments that are out licensing technologies. And to be able to kind of take that to the next generation, um, there's some interesting work being done in a number of different academic medical centers in particular uh, to increase the volume, the velocity, and the success rate of those early stage life sciences assets. Um, you're seeing collaborations um, like the Tri-ITDI collaboration between Weill Cornell, Rockefeller University, and Memorial Sloan Kettering. Uh, that is bringing pre-commercial life sciences assets to drug development and kind of jump trying to uh, cross that valley of death, if you will. Um, and then there are other organizations that are placing large strategic commitments to specific therapeutic areas where they believe they can make a world-beating difference. Um, I think Children's Hospital of Philadelphia is an example where they invested tens of millions of dollars in, in gene therapy startups that, uh, like Spark, that, that generated you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of return. James, were there any other key findings um, that stuck out to you that you'd like to share? Uh, well, I think some of the key findings are that this is an issue that everyone is, is worried about and spending time on. There wasn't a single one of the 74 interviews who said, you know, actually, we're, we're, we are happy right now with our current revenue streams and we're not trying to diversify. Um, what's more, you know, over 90% of those respondents said it's something where they need to actually show returns in the next two to three years. Um, just to speak to the urgency that that the the margin compression is creating for for these health systems across the country. What advice would you give a health system that's considering uh, the development of alternative revenue streams? Uh, I think a couple pieces of advice. One is that the successful health systems are those who are staking out that strategic territory where they can commit at an institutional level with what I would call R&D investments. Um, and there needs to be you know, a real you know, resource allocation um, to put some money where the mouth is. And I say that because there are a lot of instances across the country where health systems have you know, put what I would call you know, innovation theater tactics into play and you know, giving lip service to innovation um, but not really addressing the core strategic needs of the institution. And that's why I want to draw a distinction between kind of what people typically think of when they talk about innovation versus real R&D, which is designed to uh, transform the operations of a health system based on the market needs of the future. 
so that's one piece of advice. And I'd say, you know, the second piece of advice is that um, once you have those senses of where, as a health system, you want to create differentiated value, is then put together a portfolio of initiatives based on risk and reward for those um, non-traditional revenue diversifying initiatives the same way you would for any other investment and you know, apply that portfolio theory to this new class of assets um, and you know, be able to manage it with um, a focus that is both consistent with that strategic imperative I mentioned as well as the discipline that you, know, you apply to the rest of your, your financial uh, investments. Sound advice, James. If someone wanted to get a copy of your white paper, where can they go? Uh, it's available on our website, uh, FitzroyHealth.com. You'll see a link at the top to a white paper. Um, and feel free to reach out directly to me at jstanford at FitzroyHealth.com. James Stanford, thanks so much for spending some time with us today on the Hospital Finance Podcast. My pleasure, Michael. Thank you. If you have a topic that you'd like us to discuss on the Hospital Finance Podcast, or if you'd like to be a guest, drop us a line at update at Bessler.com. This concludes today's episode of the Hospital Finance Podcast. For show notes and additional resources to help you protect and enhance revenue at your hospital, visit Bessler.com forward slash podcasts. The Hospital Finance Podcast is a production of Bessler. Smart about revenue, tenacious about results.